As Paul said, it is great to see you. Those of you who have slipped and slithered and slid your way to church this morning. And if you're watching online, it's great to have you with us as well. And uh, as we finish our series on Revelation, the last one today, as uh, we close out this great book, um, the final book of the Bible. So the curtain begins to close as we've read this final chapter, chapter 22 of Revelation. The curtain begins to close on this revelation of Jesus Christ. In some ways, as I read this, after the drama of chapter 21 and the vision of a new heavens and a new earth and the handle-like crescendo of and they will reign forever and ever in chapter 21, chapter 22 could feel like a bit of an anticlimax. But what it reminded me of probably more was the quiet waters that you encounter after canoeing down white water rapids <laughs> and you make it through and you come to the quiet water at the end. And actually, as we come to the end of Revelation, we're coming back to the essence of Revelation and Jesus and John's call to faithful endurance and true discipleship and a long obedience in the same direction. And the call that we have read throughout this book is to first century believers, these seven representative churches in Asia Minor. But it is also to us that we have read throughout this book. And this morning, as we close out this series, in the middle of Advent 2022, I want to link those two things. I want to link the end of Revelation to this season of Advent. I want to think about the fact that the season of Advent anticipates the coming of Christ from three perspectives. And this is historically so, all of which we find in the book of Revelation. The first aspect of Advent that we think about during this time as we wait is the first coming of Jesus, Christmas. His incarnation, God became flesh and dwelled amongst us. His physical nativity in Bethlehem. And over these couple of weeks, we will be retelling the story and rereading the scriptures that we've heard so many times. But we will be reflecting on the fact that Jesus came to this earth, that Jesus became flesh, that God became flesh, that God emptied himself of his glory and was born even in the feeding trough of an animal. That's the first aspect of Advent. And the second aspect of Advent that's historically celebrated is the reception of Jesus in the human heart. His coming to us personally. His coming to you personally and you coming to him personally. So the first aspect of Advent is the first coming of Jesus and the celebration of Christmas. The second aspect of Advent that we see also reflected in the book of Revelation is the reception of Jesus in the human heart, our opening of our lives and our hearts to him, his coming to us personally. And the third aspect that we celebrate as we think of Advent is the anticipated second coming of Jesus Christ, that he will return 
And as we reflected over these many weeks, and particularly last week, that when he returns, however we see the unfolding of that final curtain, we see that there is the creation of a new heavens and a new earth. There is the hope of heaven. There is the promise, as we reminded ourselves last week, that there will be no more tears, and there will be no more sorrow, and there will be no more death, and there will be no more mourning. And God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So those are the three aspects of Advent. And they are also the three aspects of the coming of Christ that we find permeating the book of Revelation. Advent from Advenir means to come. The Lord comes. The Lord is coming. And it's about all of these three, three things. And I, I want to think about these three aspects this morning what the first coming of Jesus achieved and accomplished. What do we celebrate at Christmas, truly? His desire to live and dwell and fellowship with us. His invitation to us to come to him. And his desire to be close to us. And the ongoing hope, which is so important in this day and age, and in every age of the church, is the anticipation of the second coming of Jesus Christ that we think about during Advent, that he who comes near, that he who dwelt amongst us is coming again, and we need to be ready for that coming. So we haven't started our service this morning with a lighting of the Advent candles, but I'm going to do it as part of my message this morning as I look at those three aspects of Advent, the first coming of Jesus at Christmas, the coming of Jesus into our hearts, personally, and the second coming of Jesus. So as I look at this first point, the first coming of Jesus, I'm going to light our first Advent candle, which we're going to be talking about this morning as we're celebrating this Advent period. So the first coming of Jesus. Revelation has given us some behind-the-scenes views of what was really happening when Jesus came to this earth. And we've reflected on the pulling back of the curtain, haven't we? And, and what really happened in the heavens and what really happened as Jesus came to this earth. And we can reflect the story of Christmas and, and the gospel stories of Jesus coming with the behind the scenes look of Revelation and what was really happening during that time. And so I'll read to you from Matthew chapter two aspects of this first coming of Jesus. And we've, we find this in, in various verses in Matthew 2 in the, the story of the wise men that came to find this saviour that was born. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Then we read on in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 2. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures... They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And then we read on in verse 16, this terrible story. 
of then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And do you remember Revelation chapter 12 and this picture of the dragon who is Satan? And we read in Revelation chapter 12, behind the scenes, look at this aspect of the Christmas story. He stood the dragon in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. And we read about this war that took place in heaven in Revelation 12 verse 7. There was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. And this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Jesus is the one prophesied about. The one in Psalm chapter 2 who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Jesus is, as we read in this last chapter of Revelation, referring also to God in the first chapter of Revelation, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. And he says in Revelation chapter twenty-two, sixteen, that we've just read, of himself, he says, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the root of David? And we just sung it in our song, I am the root of David, and I am the offspring of David, and I am the bright morning star. David, King David, in the Old Testament, God made a promise to David. God made a covenant, which is like an, a legal agreement, a relational agreement. God made a covenant with David, and he promised him, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, he said to David, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And it was Isaiah who saw the glory of who was known as the son of David more clearly than anyone and virtually identified him as God in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us... A child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in line with the promise to David of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time on and forevermore. God is the offspring. Jesus is the offspring of David in this sense. And God himself will come as king and sit upon David's throne as the offspring of David, the son of David as he's called, the Messiah. 
And yet when the angel Gabriel came to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33, he said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of, of his kingdom there will be no end. The same prophetic utterance from Isaiah in Isaiah 9, we read this in this angelic visitation to Mary and the promise that the one who would rule over David's throne, the promise of the covenant that God made with David all, all back in the Old Testament is now being fulfilled through his descendant who would rule forever, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is referred to as the root, the, the, the cause of David, the father of David, but also as the offspring, the descendant of David. Just as he is referred to as the Lord of David, and he's also referred to as the Son of David. And he shall reign forever and ever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And so in at this Christmas time, we think about this first coming of Jesus, the fulfillment of the promise, the statement as he made in Revelation chapter 22, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. But why did Jesus come? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why did Jesus come that for some ad veneer to come advent? Jesus came in the world, into the world, to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came, to save us, <laughs> to save us all, every one of us. All of us are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus Christ came into the world to seek and save people that were lost. People that lost their way. In Luke 19 verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. He came for the sinners. He came for the lost. And he came to demonstrate the true purpose of life and to give himself as a ransom to pay a price for us. We read in Matthew chapter 20 verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came and he paid the price. He gave his life as a ransom for your life, to pay the price of sin. Jesus came into the world as a light in a very dark place. In John 12 verse 46, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will never remain in the dark. And he came into the world so that people could and would experience true and full life. In John 10 verse 10, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But Jesus also came into the world as we've been reading through the book of Revelation and the great judgments of God. He came into the world to judge the world. He said in John 9 verse 39, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and who see will become blind and those who see will become blind. And Jesus came, of course, when he was born 
he came to die. In John 12, verse 27, as he's preparing for his death, he says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. This is why I came. I came to die. And Jesus came in his first coming. He came to demonstrate God's love for us in 1 John 4 verse 10. This is real love. You could say love actually. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Why did Jesus come? He came because he wanted to save people. He wanted to help people in darkness. He wanted to reach out to the sinners. He wanted to speak out judgment on a broken world and bring justice. He wanted to serve people. He wanted to die as a ransom in our place. People struggling with sin and brokenness. People in the dark. People who are lost and feel lost. People who can't see clearly. And his coming still applies for all of those people as we celebrate Christmas time. And that's the first aspect of Advent that we reflect on, his first coming and all that he has achieved and all that we saw behind the scenes as we look through the book of Revelation. Fear not, the angel said. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And that brings us to our second aspect of Advent. The first aspect of Advent that is traditionally celebrated during the Advent period is to reflect on and wait again for the first coming of Christ, his first coming at Christmas time. But the second traditional aspect of Advent is the reception of Jesus in the human heart, his coming to us personally. So we'll light our second candle that marks this second aspect of Advent. Do you remember Revelation 3 verse 20? Look, I stand, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and if you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The coming of Jesus to the human heart, to the human condition, I've said a few times as we've reflected on communion, this survey that was taken about the, the favourite things that people love to hear. There were three favourite phrases that came up again and again. And the, and the first phrase that people love to hear is, dinner is ready. <laughs> people love to hear that. I love to hear those sweet words. <laughs> dinner, supper, tea, whatever you call it, is ready. <laughs> The other two phrases were, I love you and I forgive you. <laughs> People love to hear those words. And Jesus invites us to share a meal together. And we've reflected, haven't we, as we've read the book of Revelation, that Jesus has invited us to the wedding supper of the Lamb. At the end of time, we're invited to this great wedding supper. And we reflected on the fact that as Jesus came to us, like the bridegroom coming to the bride as 
was traditionally the case in a Jewish wedding. The bridegroom would leave his father's house. He would come to the bride. He would pay a ransom or a, 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 a purchase price for his bride. And then they would become betrothed or engaged. And then the bridegroom would leave the bride behind and go back to his father's house and prepare rooms for his bride-to-be. And then he would come back for her and take her to be with him. And this story is reflected in the story of Christmas and in the story of the Bible and in the story of Revelation as Jesus goes and he says to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back and I will uh, take you to be where I am. And he invites us to come to him. And we as the church and the, and, uh, the church are commanded and commissioned to issue this invitation to other people. We read in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. Let everyone and anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And this is a partnership of the Spirit of God and the Church of Jesus Christ, the Bride, issuing this invitation, this great invitation to people to come. Come and eat. Come and feast. Dinner is ready. Dinner is served. And over this Christmas period, as we issue our invites to people, as we celebrate on Christmas Eve and as we come together next week and and act out the nativity with the children as we issue the invitation to come. We're issuing much more than an invitation to come and sing a few carols or to celebrate Christmas and get a Christmassy feeling or to stand under the fake snow on Christmas Eve <laughs> and all of those lovely things that we do. But we're issuing a much more important invitation. We're issuing an invitation to individuals that is issued by the Spirit of God himself and the church of Jesus Christ, the Spirit and the Bride, say, come, <laughs> come to Jesus. Come and drink, those of you who are thirsty. Jesus met a woman once and he said, and who was drinking water from a well. He says, I've got the kind of water that if you drink it, you will never thirst again. And she didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying, but he was saying what will deep down satisfy your heart and your soul and your life, that which you were made for, is a relationship with me, with Jesus Christ, and you are invited to come and drink. And this invitation is given at the end of Revelation. And I think of this old hymn that we sing that has been reprised, or reprised by uh, Julie Miller and others, but it's, Come, you sinners. <laughs> Come you poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus stands ready to save you, full of pity, love and power. And then the chorus says, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Saviour, oh there are 10,000 charms. And then the invitation goes out again in this old hymn. Come, you thirsty. Come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance. Every grace that brings you nigh. Come, you weary, heavy laden. Lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. 
How can we come to Jesus? Which is the second aspect of Advent. The invitation of Jesus to come into our heart, to personally engage with us. And the invitation of Jesus to us to come to him. How do we come to Jesus? How can we come when we are weary and heavy laden? How can we come when we are lost and blind and ruined? How can we come when we are those sinners that Jesus said he came to this earth to save? Well, we find the answer in verse 14 of Revelation chapter 22 when we read the words, blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Who is it that can come? Who is it that can come into the presence of God? Who is it that can come to Christ? It's the one who has washed robes. And that takes us back to Revelation 7. If you remember back in Revelation 7, verses 13 to 17, then one of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you're the one who knows. Then he said to me, these are the ones who have died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And they have made them white. And that is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. And they will never again be hungry or thirsty. And they will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life, giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Revelation tells us many times, as we've reflected over these weeks, that it is those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb that can come. Those who have been forgiven because of the death of Jesus Christ. Those who have accepted his gift of salvation, his gift of grace, his gift of faith. And every one of us can come. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you are. I don't care how far you've fallen. Every one of us can come. And the Spirit and the Bride, the Church of Jesus Christ, they say, come. Come to Christ. The invitation still stands. To this day, it still stands. Come as you are as well. The only way to come is to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, to have our robes washed, (laughs) to accept his forgiveness and cleansing work on the cross. And that's why Jesus came, remember. He said, I didn't come for those who've got it all together. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. I came for the lost. I came for the blind. I came for the outcast, the broken. And as we come to him and accept him and his words as being trustworthy and true, as the angel says to John, these words are trustworthy and they are true. As we obey these words and as we put them into practice, we will be blessed. This is a book, Revelation, as we've said over and over. It's a book about discipleship and following Jesus. He calls us now to follow him. He made the same invitation to those first disciples. Come, come and follow me. Leave behind that life. Leave behind your family in that sense. Come and follow me. Leave behind your profession. Come and follow me. Leave behind your hurts, your pain, your wrongdoings. Come and follow me. The invitation still stands today from Jesus Christ to you. That's the second aspect of of Advent that is traditionally celebrated. Now we've seen 
permeate through this book of Revelation. The first aspect is the first coming of Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Christmas and all of those reasons that he came. And we've glimpsed behind the scenes of why he came in the book of Revelation. The second aspect is this personal invitation, this fact that Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. And if we open the door of our hearts, he will come in and have a meal with us. And he has prepared for us this great wedding supper of the Lamb. We are invited to share that with him. And the only reason, the only ticket that gets us through that gate is that we're wearing the robes that have been washed. We've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus Christ offered to us on the cross. And the third aspect, the third aspect of Advent, Advenir, to come, is that Jesus is coming again. And that's part of what we celebrate at Advent. That's part of what we think about the anticipated second coming of Jesus. And it's so important to keep our eyes on this. The Latin adventus translates the Greek word parousia, parousia, which means the Lord's coming and is traditionally refers to the second coming of Jesus. And in this final chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, as we're in the eddy waters after our white water rafting through all of the scenes of Revelation and all of the drama, as we're in these still waters, Jesus tells us something three times in this final chapter. Behold, I am coming soon. Chapter 22, verse 7. Chapter 22, verse 12. Chapter 22, verse 20. I am coming soon. And John's response, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And the command of the angel to John is, do not seal up the prophetic words of this book, for the time is near. What did, what the, what did the angel mean by that? When he, when he said to John, don't seal this up now, because the time of my second coming is near. Now John is told this by the angel. This contrasts to a similar vision in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament of the end times. And God speaks prophetically to Daniel and Daniel writes down all of these tremendous visions, much of which we see reflected in Revelation. And Daniel is told, seal up the vision (laughs) because it's not for now, it's for the future. It's for an appointed time. So seal it up. So that's what, that's what the angel says to Daniel. But when the angel comes to John, he says, do not seal it up because the time is near. We're in a different time now. We're in a different time zone. Now John's told this because Jesus has already come and there are no further major redemptive events that will take place before the second coming of Jesus Christ. So in that sense, we are in the end times. In that sense, Jesus is coming again soon. And we reminded ourselves in recent weeks that he will come again when the gospel has been preached to every nation. And we've watched over the development of time as the gospel has been preached increasingly, increasingly to increasing percentages of the population on this earth. Now, we're living 2,000 years, give or take 100, after this was said, after this was put in writing. 
So we might contest that statement, I'm coming soon. <laughs> but first, we think of the timing of Daniel and the contrast between Daniel and John and the different era and the fact that Jesus has already come and we're already in the end times and the kingdom of God has already been inaugurated. But also we reflect, as we have done over these past weeks, on the words of the Apostle Peter. And he says these words in um, 2 Peter 3. He says, I want to remind you (coughs) that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire and they're being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day, and the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. And since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God, and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. So Jesus has come to us. And John reminds us that the the word became flesh and he dwelt amongst us. He tabernacled amongst us. He was with us and amongst us. The first aspect of Advent And then the Lord invites us to open our heart to him in a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. We see it throughout the book of Revelation and we see it in this final chapter. All those who are weary, come, come and drink from the waters of life. All those who are thirsty, come and drink. And Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he still knocks and he still seeks to come into fellowship with us, to come to us imminently, closely, closer than a brother, You can have a personal, close relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have never known that, you can have it. And thirdly, as we reflect on the final promises of Revelation, 
we hear these words, I am coming soon. And we pray during this Advent time and at the end of our Revelation series, Amen, come Lord Jesus. It's a great prayer to pray, Amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's people, Amen. Amen. I'd like to pray for you this morning. For every one of you, if you're watching online, if you're listening on audio, if you're in the building this morning, as we celebrate Advent together, we still want to pray this prayer of John, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> we pray it in the sense of the first point of uh, Advent. As we come into our Christmas services, as we sing our Christmas worship this evening, we pray, come Lord Jesus, come and encounter people through this Christmas period. Let people see why you really came, what you really achieved on this earth as you came to live and to die and to be raised again as the firstborn from among the dead, the true witness, the faithful and true, the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star, and I pray that the Lord will come and encounter us this Christmas time and come near to us and come near to those that don't know him. And secondly, this aspect of an encounter with Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you this morning on either side of those, that you can come to Christ, those of you who are weary, those of you who are thirsty, those of you who are in the dark, those of you who are sinners, all of us can come. And Jesus says come and the spirit of God says come and the church of Jesus Christ says come and the invitation is issued to every one of us and I want to pray for you and then all of us can pray as we look at our broken world and we reflect on the fact that all creation groans as in childbirth waiting longing for the coming of Christ and we know that things are not as they should be but we have this hope of the second coming of Christ and we say, come Lord Jesus, come again. So let's pray. So we close our eyes and, and just focus in on Jesus for a few moments. Father, I pray especially for those that don't know you, that don't know Jesus as their as their Lord, as their Saviour, that have never followed this call that Jesus issued and continues to issue to this day. Come and follow me. And Lord, as we read these strong invitations throughout Revelation and throughout the Scriptures, the invitation to come, the invitation to the weary, to the broken, to the fallen, to the sinful, to the, those in darkness, to the blind, to the lost, the invitation still stands to come. And I pray, Lord, that there may be those this morning that would open the door of their heart to Jesus Christ and ask him to come in and to have fellowship with them and to eat a meal with them and to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray uh, for those that are in that place this morning that they might 
issue the invitation, come Lord Jesus, come and forgive me, come and purify me, come and put your white robes on me, come and be my Lord and my Saviour. I pray, Lord, that there would be those here this morning that would utter those words in their heart and in their minds and give their life this Christmas time, seed their life to you, to your control, to your lordship, to your shepherding, to your care. For those who have never had that eternal thirst satiated or satisfied, that they would come to the one who can truly satisfy and give to drink from the waters of life. Lord, I pray that we would come and drink and be satisfied. I pray for the gift of faith this Christmas time and grace because it is by faith that we are saved. And this is a free gift from God. It's not something we earn, but it is something that is freely received. And so we freely receive it now, Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, as we celebrate Christmas together, that we would be those who say with the Spirit of God, come, come and drink, come and celebrate with us. Lord, as this Advent period passes, Lord, we pray that we would also say with John, Amen, come Lord Jesus, as we look forward to the second coming of Christ, the promise of your return. I pray, Lord, that we would encounter you in a real way this Christmas time, this Advent time, and that you would come to us afresh, closer than ever. And now, if you are concerned about someone praying for someone this morning, someone who's sick, someone who is in hospital, someone who is in need, someone who is in need of salvation, someone who is in need of a saviour, of a healer, why don't you just pray for that person now? Take a few moments and ask the Lord to come to them, to visit them, that they may encounter the risen Lord. They may not be here, they may not hear this message, but Jesus still comes and still visits. So you pray for them this morning and say, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus, to that person. Come, Lord Jesus, to that hospital room. Come, Lord Jesus, to that lost soul. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would encounter these dear ones, these lost ones, these hurting ones. We pray, Lord, that you would do amazing things in our midst and that they would join us at some point. And with the angels and the elders and the wise men and every wise man or woman that has ever lived and ever will live, we will bow down and we will worship. We don't worship any angels, but we will worship the living God, the risen Christ. And so we do pray, come, Lord, Come close to us. Come to those in this building who are weary, who are tired, who are thirsty, who feel a little lost at this time, who feel lonely, who feel anxious. I pray that you will come, Lord Jesus. Even so, Lord, come and encounter your people afresh. As we thought at the start of Revelation, how you walked amongst the candlesticks, you're present with your church. I pray, Lord, that you would walk amongst us this morning, a walk among your churches, 
the churches across this city and this nation and this world, come and be present to us, Lord Jesus, the incarnate one, the one who still tabernacles with us. Come and be near to us, Lord Jesus, and those that we love and those that we reach out to and those that we invite. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And we pray this final prayer of revelation. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Pray, Lord, that your grace, your grace will be with us in this season. We pray that ancient prayer that Paul prayed at the end of Corinthians. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with every one of us in this season. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.